The Cigar Dave Show podcast is presented by Diamond Crown. Sit back, relax, pour a drink, and light up a Diamond Crown as you begin the show with the general, Cigar Dave. This is CCRN, the Cigar Connoisseur Radio Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, USA. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General Cigar Dave. Well, it has been a very interesting week. To say the least, a tad bit stressful. As Hurricane Irma came plowing through the entire state of Florida into the southeast, it has been quite a week. I will tell you about my week. And I will tell you about the power companies and their incredibly horrible lack of communication. Additionally, we'll lighten things up a little bit. I've got a great soundbite from Jim Moore, the former coach of the New Orleans Saints and Indianapolis Colts. Playoffs? Playoffs? Are you kidding me? Playoffs? Oh, this one's just as good. Hillary Clinton doing yoga. Oi, the thought of her ass doing a downward dog. Ooh, as if Irma wasn't bad enough. Now we got to deal with that. Long-ass greetings and salutations. A long-ass snappy salute. Semper delictatio. Always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make America great again. And for those impacted by Hurricane Harvey and Hurricane Irma, may you rebuild quickly again. The general front and center from a classified location in the cigar city of Tampa, back from... Uh, What is it? Uh, Just about six days up in the Charleston, South Carolina Theater of Operations, where I evacuated to. I will tell you about that momentarily. But first, don't forget, follow us, as always, 24-7, 365. Go to CigarDave.com. You will see the links to all the various social media that you can follow me at, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. And by the way, I did post on YouTube a video about Hurricane Irma as well as uh, I cut part of that video and edited it and talked about the power companies. Before I get into the power companies, let's first of all talk about Hurricane Irma. Certainly unprecedented. I've lived in Florida now, will be 28 years, the end of December. And I can tell you that I have been through umpteen hurricanes and tropical storms, but I don't ever remember a hurricane as large or as violent or that affected as many states and the entire state of Florida as Hurricane Irma. I mean, this thing just humongous. I'm not telling you anything you already don't know. I watched the storm very intensely. Initially, we thought the track was going towards Miami. The west coast of Tampa would be on the west side, which is not the worst side of it. Still get winds. Still get heavy rain, but that's not the back. The back side, the west side, isn't 
the toughest part. It's the eastern portion from the eye that really belts you. So I was monitoring things, and then on Thursday, the track started to shift towards Orlando. And then Friday evening, I was watching Fox 13 News. Paul Delegato, one of the more experienced meteorologists in the Tampa Bay area. Actually, Tampa has really three great meteorologists, Dennis Phillips, Steve Jervey, and Paul Delegato. All are exceptional. They're excellent. They know what they're doing. One station, the CBS affiliate, 10 News, WTSP, that whole newscast is a, is a Mickey Mouse operation. When I tell you that their newscast, about two months ago, they shifted to this millennial newscast where they wanted it geared towards millennials, where they don't wear ties and they do, they're more casual, everything's done on an iPad. It is the most comical, farcical newscast I've ever seen. And to make matters worse, they had to evacuate from their studios in St. Petersburg, which is in a Zone A flood, uh, flooding evacuation area, to another station in Hillsborough County by Tampa. So they used a green screen. They had a big desk and a green screen, a chroma key background. But the anchor, you can have a green screen, but my goodness, the anchors are so atrocious. And the reporters are, it, it makes a high school audiovisual project look like a network broadcast. It's that bad. But all the other stations did a great job. So I'm watching <clears throat> Paul Delegato's forecast on Friday night, and the track starts to shift. And it starts shifting west and west. And by about 11.30 on Friday evening, it is dead nuts over downtown Tampa and south Tampa. And at that point, I'm in an evacuation area A. I made the decision, especially when I saw Paul Delegato start to get choked up, saying, this is really, really going to be serious. We're going to ride this out, but this is going to be big. This is going to be serious. At that point, I said, not only do I have a backup plan, I have a tertiary plan, because every good general must have multiple plans. I decided early Saturday morning to evacuate via air with my canine security detail, Sultan. And we went to Charleston, South Carolina, and the reason that I selected Charleston is because the track was going to be moving west towards Atlanta. Charleston did end up getting some flooding, but in the downtown area. I didn't stay in the downtown area. Some heavy winds, but no loss of power, nothing that major. And uh, came back yesterday. So quite the adventure. Now, I lucked out. I'm one of the fortunate because I didn't have I had one roof tile missing. That's it. But there are so many people in Key West, in the Keys, in, in Naples, in Fort Myers, that have just been decimated. Their lives have been turned upside down. Their entire existence, their way of life has just been shattered. And we still have people in Houston and in Texas and in Louisiana still digging out from Hurricane Harvey. So to all those people, I'm fortunate. Believe me, I'm thankful, I'm very fortunate, but at this time, there's no way I'm going to forget those people who still don't have power, who don't have a residence, whose possessions have been destroyed, because it very well could have come through my pleasure palace and many of us here in the Cigar City of Tampa. So to those people, you are in our thoughts, and we hope that you, uh, it's going to be a while, we know it's going to be a while, but we hope that your life gets back to normal. All right, let me talk about the power companies very quickly. With an unprecedented storm like this, people understand and are patient about losing power. There were, I can't remember, 6,000, 10,000 crews that are, or, or people 
utility workers that were brought in from across the country and in Canada to come in and assist with bringing power back. People are patient. People understand that this was a huge catastrophic hurricane. They understand there's going to be power outages. What, however, they cannot understand is the complete, utter lack of communication and failure of the power companies to communicate with their customers. I'm telling you, I have never seen more of a goofy Mickey Mouse operation than these at the power companies. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to name names. And actually, I did name names. Gordon Gillette, who's the CEO of Florida, Tampa Electric in, 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 the, uh, in the Tampa area and part of Central Florida. There is, I want to get the name of the president of uh, Duke Energy. Let me get this. I want to make sure I get the proper people here. Duke Energy CEO, Florida. I want to get the correct name. I had his name. Uh, let's see. Lynn Good is the CEO of Duke Energy. Her ass is nowhere to be found. And by the way, she's an accountant by trade. And then she was their CFO. No disparagement to accountants. I love my accountant. I use accountants all the time. I think very highly of them. I got friends that are accountants. But I would never in a million damn years ever hire an accountant to run a company. Why? Because they have a different skill set. They don't think like entrepreneurs. They don't think like business people. They're numbers people. That's what they do. They make love to numbers. Believe me, many of these accountants... They have no personality. Not everyone. I know some of you that are cigar connoisseurs do and are alphas, but some of them just don't. Mine happens to have a personality, but many don't. But I would never hire an accountant to be the CEO of a company. So Lynn Good, major catastrophe. She's been nowhere to be found, based in, I believe, Charlotte. Harry Sedaris, the president of Duke Energy Florida, Nowhere to be found. Now, I did see the CEO of Florida Power and Light in South Florida and much of uh, the state of Florida. He was out and about. But the problem is they gave no real-time updates. They gave this cockamamie nonsense saying, please be patient. It's going to be between, it's not going to take months. It could just take maybe a week to a few weeks. Okay, fine. But their garbage websites... Their social media feeds and their Facebook feeds were total trash. All they used it was for BS public relations to show someone in the field, you know, a lineman putting up uh, stringing lines and another crew working hard or driving a truck. The media relations and public relations teams and these CEOs are paid millions of dollars and get huge money in stock options and everything else. You're telling me that these CEOs couldn't get in front of a camera every hour and say, we're going to provide hourly updates. We're going to be on the front lines. You're telling me that they're media people and public relations, and they got them out the, out the yin-yang. You're telling me they couldn't set up at the command center, the operations center, and say, here's where our crews are right now. We've got 20 crews that are working on, on restoring the high-tension main lines. We've got 30 crews in the following areas working on substations. These are the areas that we'll, we're working on getting power today. This is the schedule for the next umpteen days. They easily could have done it. None of them have done it. Why? Because they are damn monopolies. They are damn monopolies and don't give a rat's ass. So I am telling you, if you want to be a CEO of a power company, there's one prerequisite. You must be a D or an F student. You must be a failure in school. Why? Because no, on earth, no way on earth could someone with a half a brain, a quarter of a brain, be hired to be the CEO of one of these energy companies. They've done a garbage job. 
And I know that people say, well, we have to be patient, and they're the first ones saying we got to be patient. They're full of baloney. They have totally screwed up. So to the power company CEOs, to Harry Sedaris of Florida Power, and to, uh, what the hell did I say his name was, Sergeant Steve? Gordon Gillette, that's it. Tampa Electric, you both get giant Fs. You fail, fail, fail. And as far as I'm concerned, if I'm the governor or the mayors, I'd be up your ass 10 feet and saying, you better start giving updates to people, period. I'm lucky I got my power back, but there are many that haven't, and they're, pardon the pun, they're in the dark and have no clue when it's going to come back. So to those executives, get in front of a camera and start communicating and talking to your customers. We will continue front and center around the corner. Get the latest cigars, hand-picked by the General, each month, delivered straight to your door. When you join the Cigar Dave Officers Club for just $22.95 a month, you'll receive three premium cigars in a customized Ziploc Cigar Dave pouch. To join, go to CigarDave.com. It's an exquisite day here at the Jensen Estate patio overlooking the 13th green. And we're underway. Jim Jensen has chosen his favorite stick. The Diamond Crown Number no. 4 by J.C. Newman. See the way he holds the cigar, Tom? Mm -hmm. Excellent balance and heft. Ooh, he's eyeing the Silky Connecticut Shade Wrapper, fermented twice for the smoothest, richest flavor. And hand-rolled by the Fuente family with a blend of six to seven distinct Dominican and Caribbean basin tobacco leaves. Each lovingly aged for at least five years. Oh, now Jensen's lighting up the Diamond Crown. He's got a precision burn, Tom. Mm, those highly complex flavors with hints of dark chocolate really deliver, Bill. Yes, like all cigars in J.C. Newman's premium diamond crown line. That'd be the highly rated Maximus and the Julius Caesar. Ah, now Jensen's settling in, rolling the rich smoke through his nose. Look at the satisfaction on his face, Bill. Oh, a thing of beauty, Tom. Experience the premium diamond crown brand by J.C. Newman at select retailers or Diamond Crown Lounge near you. Find us on Facebook at J.C. Newman Cigar Co. or visit DiamondCrown.com. As a cigar connoisseur, one of the pleasures that we derive is walking into our retailer's humidor and seeing the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. Nine years ago, I had the idea that I wanted to share great cigars with the cigar lieutenants. So, the Officers Club was born. Every month, you will receive three fantastic premium cigars direct to your door, shipped in a very dapper Officers Club customized Ziploc cigar pouch. $22.95 per month gets you the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. No long-term contracts. You can cancel whenever you want. You enjoy great cigars right to your door. Names like Perdomo, Diamond Crown, Brickhouse, San Latano, Rocky Patel, Torano, CAO, Avo, Camacho, Greycliff, and many more. Join the Officers Club today. Go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club, and for $22.95, you'll get the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. This is the first cigar I've had since I left evacuated Operation Alpha Evacuation last Saturday, and I'm going to enjoy every single puff. And I've pulled out the Rocky Patel Edge B-52 Maduro 
beautiful Ecuadorian Maduro, Nicaraguan, Honduran Lajero binder, Panamanian La- and Lajero uh, filler. Four and a half by 60, $7 suggested retail. Looks like a B-52 missile. It is indeed a fabulous looking cigar. A lot of flavor on this particular stick. That's what I will enjoy today. And the reason I'm enjoying it is because Rocky is amongst many of the cigar manufacturers that are without power, that uh, uh, internet has gone down. They've all been affected since most of the cigar manufacturers and distributors are in the sunshine state of Florida. So consequently, everyone was affected. So for Rocky, I know they've had a lot of issues they've had to deal with. I've got the Rocky Patel Edge B-52 Maduro. Cigar-altering and highly sharpened leaf-exposing device. I've got my double-edged stainless steel guillotine ready to go. Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus. Oh, yeah. Listen to this torch, baby. This is a giant welding torch that I have in my hand. This will do the trick. Cigar Cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. Perfect cut. I will now toast the foot of this cigar. And as I do, let me tell you that we are, of course, celebrating the entire month. National Bourbon Heritage Month, the entire month of September. And in the uh, coming back, actually, after the bottom of the hour break, we're going to be joined by Dave and Will Willis. Dave uh, is the master distiller, head distiller of Bully Boy Distillery. Will is brother, head of sales, and the co-founder. We do an entire sampling of all their incredible spirits. I have to tell you, they're American straight whiskey off the charts. They're based out of Boston. They've got an estate gin that's incredible, a white rum and a Boston rum, even their vodka. I'm not a vodka guy, but absolutely fantastic. So we'll join, we'll be joined by the Willis Brothers. Uh, at the bottom of the hour from Bully Boy Distillers. Just a marvelous time I had a few weeks ago up visiting them at their distillery. All right, gonna puff and rotate. Oh yeah, mm. outstanding. My cigar. Mm. Blow on it one more time. Mm. Excellent. Oh, boy, does this ever? When you haven't had a cigar for almost a week, actually just over a week, the first few puffs are absolutely orgasmic. Outstanding. All right. My Rocky Patel Edge B-52 is now lit. Okay. One other thing I want to tell you about. For those of you that are members of the Cigar Dave Officers Club, September's selection will come from La Polina. Their distribution center is in Florida. There will be a delay. It probably won't go out to the end of the month. They've obviously been affected as well. We are working on it, but I will keep you updated via email as well as our social media feeds. So if you're a member of the Cigar Dave Officers Club, please know there will be a delay. It'll probably go out and you'll receive it towards the end of the month, possibly even early October. But bear with us. Again, Hurricane Irma hit everyone, even the cigar manufacturers. All right. NFL football is back. Last Monday night... It was the New Orleans Saints at the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings whacked the Saints 29-19. Afterwards, Coach Jim Moore, the former head coach of the New Orleans Saints and the Indianapolis Colts, uh, is hired by one of the TV stations to do an entire postgame show and to do analysis throughout the season. So they were on location in Minnesota, in Minneapolis, for the first game. So the anchors throw it over to the sports, two sports reporters and Jim Mora, Take a listen to the soundbite. Jim Mora didn't know he was on. His response, his reply was 
priceless because it got late in the evening and he gets a little cranky as the evening gets late. Here it is. Speaking of the season not being over, let's get back out to our crew in Minneapolis. Fletcher, Sharif, and Coach Jim Moore, the later it gets, the less patient Coach gets with Fletcher and Sharif, guys. <laughs> Scott just said the later it gets, Jim, the less patient you get with us. Is that true? Who said that? Scott. <laughs> Tell Scott he's full of <laughs> All right, now okay. at that point, okay. the, anchor, the two sports anchors, well, you can kill it, Sergeant Steve. At that point, the two anchors are saying, no, no, you can't say it. They're like going over Tim. They didn't know how to react, but it was, it was great. We will post the unbleeped edition of it uh, on our social media and at CigarDave.com. Sergeant Steve, do we have time for the Hillary soundbite? Okay, Hillary Clinton being interviewed by Anderson Cooper a couple of nights ago on CNN talking about yoga and how therapeutic it was for her. Oy, the thought of Hillary Clinton in a downward dog with that giant rump in the air, scary. Take a listen. It seems like you've been doing a lot of yoga. Yes, uh, and, I have. And, and, and alternate nostril breathing. Well, I wanted have to you ask tried you, that? Page 27 <laughs> in your book, you talk about all, uh, alternate nostril breathing. Yes. What is that? And Dare you give me a demonstration well, of that? Well, I would highly recommend it. Okay. You know, I mean, you're supposed to shut your eyes. I don't want to shut your shut my eyes on on you know on national television. But you know, you do hold and you breathe through one, and you hold it, and then you exhale through the other, and you keep going. I can only say, based on my personal experience, that if you're sitting cross-legged on the yoga mat and you're doing it, and you're really trying to inhale and hold it, and then have a long exhale. It is very relaxing. So I don't know if you can do it in the middle of hurricane coverage, but maybe some other moments you can try it. I, uh, I found it quite helpful. The thought of Hillary Clinton with those tree trunk, trunk legs and thighs that are bigger than a, uh, geez, I don't know, about a 10-foot diameter redwood, crossed with her legs crossed, doing alternate nasal breathing is a very scary picture. And by the way, Anderson Cooper, mazel tov to you. Congratulations. What a hard-hitting interview on Hillary Clinton. How about some cup, more cupcake softy questions? Alt, alternate nasal breathing. Seriously, did not need to know about that. Why she put that in the book? Beyond me. Blaming everybody else except herself. All right, when we come back, we will celebrate National Bourbon Heritage Month with Dave Willis and Will Willis the co-founders of Bully Boy Distillers up in Boston. We had a magnificent time. Their spirits off the charts. We will continue right around the corner. If you miss any of the general show, you can catch up anytime with the Cigar Dave mobile app. Presented by Diamond Crown. Listen to the most recent show simply by opening the app with our continuous replay. Or you can download a podcast of a past show. Search Cigar Dave in the App Store to get it. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. 
Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. We celebrate National Bourbon Heritage Month, and as our tradition, we always try to find the coolest craft distillers around the country and bring you all the information on their spirits. And I have ventured to Boston, and I am in the heart of Boston at Bully Boy Distillers. And it is my pleasure to welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, Dave and Will Willis, the co-founders, the proprietors of Bully Hill Distillers. And gentlemen, great to have you on the Cigar Dave Show. Dave, I know uh, you used to live in Charleston. You listened to the show, so you're all familiar with the Alpha Male lifestyle. I, I certainly am. Yeah, I was, I was in Charleston in 2008, and I used to listen to the Cigar Dave Show on the way out to Sullivan's Island. I used to hit the beach, and uh, I, it was so entertaining. I loved it. It's, it's all about the good life, and I, my memories of uh, Charleston, the last time I was there, I played in a celebrity golf tournament at Kiowa Island. It was an eight-hour round, and by the time we ended, it was about 7.30 and the noceums came out. Oh, the next morning, I was eaten alive. I woke up with welts all over the place. So I prefer to uh, go to Charleston during the day and in long pants now. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I, I've played uh, the ocean course out on Kiowa. Great course. It's murder. It is. The toughest course I've ever played. It is. It, but it's, it, and I'm a hack. So it's, it, but the best thing is, you light a cigar, you have a distilled spirit, and you have a good time. Yes. Tell well, lots of jokes. That's what golf is, right? It's just an excuse to smoke cigars and drink bourbon. Yes, it's a way to destroy a nice walk on an afternoon. <laughs> and, and Will, interesting, uh, because you are now, you oversee the sales and marketing end along with your brother. So uh, give us your background. Yeah, D Dave, so when, when my brother Dave and I first started out, we both kind of did everything. And we quickly discovered that uh, two brothers in a, uh, around a still, both wanting the same thing was was no way uh, forward. Uh, we, were, we, were, we were battling a lot, so we divided and conquered early on, and, and uh, now both obviously wear multiple hats during the course of the day. But but by and large, Dave does all the product development, and I'm um, marketing, uh, sales. My background was in finance, so it was sort of a natural fit for me there. So the numbers guy, the creative guy. Will you the numbers guy? Dave the creative guy. Well put. Yeah, Will's not giving himself enough credit. I, I remember when we first opened up in August of, of 2010, and it was a friggin' sweltering day in Boston. It was 95 degrees, and 
Will's pounding the pavement. He's got a suitcase full of gin and vodka and white rum. Walking into bars right off the street, people looked at us looked at us like we were crazy. This was sort of at the front end of the craft distilling boom. So to have a guy walk in off the street who's making hooch a mile away within city limits was was a little wacky. Very foreign. Now it's very common across the country. Right, right. All right, so give us, Dave, the background, the history of uh, Bully Boy Distillers. How did it all begin? Where did it begin? Give us the background. So Will and I actually, we grew up on a farm. And we grew up on a farm about 40 minutes west of the city. And when we were kids, we used to make cider. And that sort of devolved into hard, hard cider. cider. Ah, hard OK, cider. now we're getting somewhere. You heat up hard cider, you end up with brandy. And so we used to make this crude, uh, almost undrinkable brandy in our when we were teenagers. And we, we loved doing it. We were hobbyists for a long time, but we both went on to do different things. And at some point, we just said, we got we to gotta pursue our, our passion. And um, so we started, we jumped right in. We started, we bought 150 gallons still to start. Uh, we now work on a 750 gallon still. Um, actually, the, the, the farm is still a big source of ingredients for us. It's sort of the spiritual center, even though we're in Boston. Um, my parents still live out on the farm. It's a fourth generation working farm. And that's actually the, the name Bully Boy. Bully Boy was this old draft horse on the farm in the 1920s. And he was named after that, that Teddy Roosevelt saying, Bully for you. Uh, our great grandfather was a big Teddy fan. Uh, rough so, Riders. Rough Riders, that's exactly right. So we, we started distilling within city limits in 2010, and as you can imagine, Boston, there isn't, maybe Chicago's worse when it comes to bureaucracy, but Boston's pretty bad. The, the liquor laws were so restrictive, and opening up was murder. It took us about a year to get all the permits in place, and we just started distilling, and eventually we settled on our recipes, and it was pack up the suitcase, and. Hit, hit the ground. Just we started going bar to bar, liquor store to liquor store, trying to get our stuff in there. At Bully Boy Distillers in Boston with Dave and Will Willis, the uh, founders, proprietors, uh, distiller, uh, head of sales and marketing, whatever needs to be done, head of research and development. I mean, the titles go on and on. Let's talk about uh, your first spirit. What was the first spirit that you distilled and sold? With spirits, obviously anything that's brown has gone into barrels, and in our case, it's gone into barrels for four years. So brown spirits were a no-go on day one. So we led with white rum, uh, vodka, and actually white, white whiskey. And simultaneously, we were socking whiskey and rum away in barrels. Uh, so it was the unaged spirits that, that, that we led with. Well, interesting that you to talk about rum, because everyone thinks that rye uh, whiskey was the first native spirit of the United States. Not true. It was really rum. That was the big seller way back, and ironically, it was uh, right here during the uh, colonial days. That's right. Yeah. There, Even before the colonial days. Right. Boston was part of the triangle trade. You had molasses coming into the city, and during the height of it, there were 36 rum distilleries in Boston. Uh, actually, Boston... Uh, is home to the Great Molasses Spill, which is a fascinating bit of history where 8 million gallons of molasses 
poured through the streets of the North End because a, a massive receptacle burst. And you had people swept away to sea in a, in a what year was that? wave of molasses. Or what, I think what time? It was 19, 19, what, 13, 14? Yeah. Oh, early, so. Early 1900s. Actually, they were, they were distilling molasses uh, not for, for consumption, but it was part, as part of the propulsion system for torpedoes. Interesting. So this was around the, the, the First World War. So rum, your first, uh, you came up with rum, and what else you said, vodka? So vodka, and then also uh, white whiskey. What made your rum and white whiskey different? It's interesting. In, in the white spirits world, uh, a lot of the big distilleries, they uh, tended to, to distill too clean. So if you have um, white rum by distillery X, I'm not going to name names, but, but they tend to be fairly neutral. So it's like one step away from... A neutral from, spirit. From yeah. vodka, because, because usually you see white rum in, in cocktails. We decided to make a white rum that had a little more body to it. So it's, it's closer to a barrel-aged rum. It's still clean, but it's got some, some lovely vanilla notes, some fruity notes, so it's a fuller-bodied white rum. Um, on the vodka side, you saw the same thing. You had a lot of vodka brands in the, in, uh, in the early 2000s that were trying to create the cleanest, softest vodka imaginable. And that's not traditional vodka. Traditional vodka has a little bit of heat to it. So we said, we're going to distill it clean, we're going to filter it, but at the same time, we want people to know they're drinking alcohol. No one wants to drink water. You want something that's got a little bit of heat to it. Um, and so our vodka was more of a traditional vodka than a lot of the vodkas that were, that were coming on. What, what type of uh, grain did you use for the vodka? We used wheat. Wheat, so, so that gives a nice smooth taste it does. with a little kick to it. That's exactly right. It's got a little bit of a, a hint of sweetness to it, um, but it's not overly oily. If you if you are a fan of potato vodkas, you're familiar with that sort of that mouthfeel that's thicker. Uh, wheat vodka tends to be sort of split the difference between corn vodka and potato vodka. And what about your rum? What's what do you use? Same thing, wheat. Uh, no, oh, no, no, you've got to use the sugar. Yeah, like we, a, so we use right. molasses. We, use a, right. we actually use a, a high, uh, instead of using a black strap, uh, which tends to be a little more bitter, right. um, we use a higher grade uh, molasses, which is, um, which is cleaner. There's less ash in it, less inorganic material, and it's, it, it makes for a really, really nice rum. Are you aging some of the, the white rum? to uh, release a release dark rum down Yeah, the so we have a dark rum now because a lot of that stuff that we were socking away in 2010 is now mature. Uh, and so we, we age our rum in ex-bourbon barrels, so used bourbon barrels. One of the wonderful things about making whiskey is you can drain a whiskey barrel and then fill it with rum. Um, and we're constantly tinkering with other, uh, with other finishing barrels too. So we've got some rum in port barrels, we've got rum in sherry barrels, Madeira barrels. Uh, so we're, we do a lot of different things with, with the aging process. And your original white whiskey was what grains? So that our original white whiskey was actually, uh, it was a wheat-based spirit. It, the tricky thing with white whiskey is you're not going to get the, the barrel to mellow the spirit. So you've got to create that cleanliness through the distillation process. In a lot of ways, actually, white whiskey is more difficult to make than barrel-aged whiskey because that barrel is going to correct a lot of the... Um, a lot of the mistakes you might make during the distillation process. Whereas white whiskey, it comes off the still, you proof it down, and it goes in the bottle. If you screwed up, it's going to be really obvious. 
So we use the wheat uh, for the same reason that we use it for our vodka. It's, it's a softer grain, it's a little more mellow, it's not quite as robust as corn, which tends to have a little stink to it. Uh, and then for our barrel-aged whiskey, we were using, obviously, a lot of corn and a lot of uh, rye and some malted barley. So the, the bill for our, our American straight whiskey is 45% corn, 45% rye, 10% malted barley. So that, that rye gives it a little kick, the barley that's, softens it a little bit. That, that's right, yeah. You have this wonderful balance between the corn, which tends to be sweeter, uh, and then the rye, which tends to be spicy and a little, and a little more grainy. We will continue celebrating National Bourbon Heritage Month on the Cigar Dave Show from Bully Boy Distillers in Boston. Never miss a minute of the show when you download the Cigar Dave mobile app for Apple, Android, and Kindle devices. You can listen to our 24-7 continuous stream of the latest show or download the recent podcasts to listen to anytime on your mobile device. Get the Cigar Dave mobile app in the App Store. Search Cigar Dave. If you're like millions of cigar buffs, you've enjoyed a love affair with Romeo y Julieta. Your passion has made it the world's best-known brand, trusted to deliver an excellent mild smoke. But now, you're ready for something new and avant-garde, something bolder with more panache. Now, there's Romeo by Romeo y Julieta, a modern, fuller-bodied smoke created to lead an exciting new trend in luxury cigars. Romeo is our finest Romeo y Julieta, an awesome manly smoke, robust and rich in complex flavor sensations. Each leaf is carefully selected, delicately aged, and meticulously crafted by expert hands full of wisdom and tenderness. Hands with decades of experience, culminating in an unforgettable smoke. Your first Romeo will blow you away. The passion you've always felt will soar to new heights. You'll discover the passion that burns within. Visit The Cigar Life on Facebook and Twitter. Surgeon General Warning. Cigar smoking can cause lung cancer and heart disease. America is under attack. Basic freedoms, privileges, and acts that we would normally take for granted are disappearing each day, including the simple ability to enjoy a cigar. This is Glenn Loop, Executive Director of Cigar Rights of America, CRA. At a time when elected officials should be thinking about education, public safety, and creating jobs, they are actually thinking about smoking bans, new taxes, and regulations of historic proportions on premium cigars. The cigars that provide us with pleasure, relaxation, and fellowship are under attack. We have to stop it. That's why Cigar Rights of America was created, to work for a new political day for cigar enthusiasts across America, to roll back restrictive laws and defeat onerous taxes and regulations that impact everyone from your local cigar shop to your personal humidor. For the price of a few great cigars, be a part of this effort to protect your right to enjoy a cigar without excessive taxation and cumbersome legislation. Go to CigarRights.org. Let's tell the government we've had enough. Join now, CigarRights.org. National Bourbon Heritage Month on the Cigar Dave Show at Bully Boy Distillers in Boston. Dave Willis and Will Willis. Now, Will, 2010, you had your first three spirits. You've got the white rum, 
you've got the vodka and you've got the white whiskey. Now you got to go sell it. Tell us, uh, I'm sure you got some great stories when you started to walk in and introduce yourself. So why don't you share those with us? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think we talked a little bit about our background and how we'd sort of been hobbyists for a number of years. So we felt fairly confident in our recipes and in the product, but we had zero clue about how to sell it. And, you know, our first delivery, um, I think we actually took it, it was in like a shoebox. It was, yeah, it was like, a, it was a shoebox or a Captain Morgan's box. Like we had, we didn't even have our own, you know, branded boxes. Um, we were self-distributing, which we were allowed to do under a, a unique law that was passed in Massachusetts called the Farmer Distiller um, License. So, but you know, as far as distribution, we'd, we'd be showing up at restaurants during service hours because, of course, we were making this stuff all day, and. You know, these, these bar managers were, were being furious with us because they're trying to serve cocktails, not receive orders. You know, speeding tickets, parking tickets, it, it became a complete, um, I don't want to say fiasco, but certainly our, our, our focus really needed to be on making the best possible product and not the logistics of actually delivering it. So we quickly outsourced the delivery aspect, which we'd be able to do this, more of the selling. And... You know, it's, a, it's at the end of the day, it's a people business, and, um, you know, Dave and I, I think, have always taken the approach that we didn't want to come across as overly aggressive salespeople, just kind of be ourselves, and, and that seemed to resonate. I think people love the fact that there was someone doing this, putting their neck out, in, you know, in the city of Boston, and Boston is a, a town that tends to get behind its own, whether it's you know, Red Sox or... Um, We've got a long history of uh, shoe manufacturers and New Balance is a, and it's a harpoon beer. It kind of uh, transcends all sort of consuming, consumer categories. And, and we were sort of that for booze. And, uh, you know, whether it was the sort of the timing of the go local thing or craft spirits, um, you know, whatever it was, it certainly wasn't the economy because this is, you know, right after. You know, right, 2009. So you, were you the first craft distiller in Boston? Yes. So you were the first. You were the pioneers. And, and and you would know it, too, because I'll tell you what, when we went to get our building permits, the city inspectors looked at us like we, you would have thought we were trying to open a, you know, a plutonium factory. They, they had zero, they did not know how to grasp it. Uh, so as Dave alluded to earlier, it took a long, long time to get our licensing. Um, and ultimately, that was, that was a huge uh you know, barrier to entry, which really helped us. So 2010, you, you, you bring the spirits into first restaurants and bars. Yes. So tell us the, the process. You basically just yeah. came bottle and talked to the bar manager or the manager of the restaurant, poured them a sample. Is that how it worked? Yeah, Dave, you know, it's, it's I mean, it, that's the beauty and, and of it in a way, I guess. It, the beauty of the challenge. Um, yeah. You know, ideally you try and call ahead, but that inevitably you run into some roadblock with someone who, you know, can sniff out a salesperson and, and throws in the voicemail. So you got to show up, um, hat in hand, and say, "Hey, you know, I'm open to talking to the owner and the bar manager. Uh, I'm Will, I'm Bully Boy Distillers, and hopefully you get you know 35 seconds to spiel out your, your pitch. And, and no one's going to say no to free booze. Well, so, there you go. What was the reaction? Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, it, first of all, it's instantaneous and it, it was positive. Um, I think for us. The tipping point was we got on board with one of the preeminent tastemakers in town. And, and you know, I think bar managers hate to admit this, but there's certainly, it's almost a pyramid effect where there's four or five guys at the top and everyone else kind of looks to them for guidance. And we had one of these guys, Jackson Cannon, who uh, 
runs four or five uh, very influential spots in town. He came into the distillery, loved the stuff, brought it in, and and that was a huge first uh, step for us. So they were your first big yes. account. Yes. All right, and now where is Bully Boy Distillers products uh, available? Just in Massachusetts, across the country? So so we're taking a very methodical approach. Geographically speaking, we're pretty narrow. Uh, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, and Maine. Um, 2018, we're, we're hoping to add Connecticut, but that's that's still in the works. So you're going to stay local to New England? Which makes so. sense. Yeah, I mean, so much of the power behind our brand is, is, is Dave and I. Um, you know, it's people behind the brand. It's a story-driven product. It's an excellent product, but it's one that we feel we can tell the story best on, and we really want to be able to drive to our customers. Um, I'd like to get down to Florida to visit you at some point, but it's probably a little ways away. Well, I know between <laughs> December and March is great weather up here in Boston. Yeah, so right, if, if, if for whatever reason you decide <laughs> to leave the great weather that time of year, and it's yeah. just it's only about 70, 75 degrees in Tampa. Got some great spots we can sample yeah. some of your great spirits, have a cigar. But do me a favor, keep the mittens and the boots at home. Right. No, ne not, not necessary. And by the, the ice scraper, too. Right. You know, you won't need the ice scraper down in Florida. Slightly better than Buffalo, though, I guess, right? And that's exactly right. No question about it. It could be worse. I mean, it could be uh, Duluth, Minnesota. Yeah, because yeah. I've been up there in mid-February. It makes Buffalo look like Miami. That's true. That's true. All right, so 2010, Three Spirits, the Bully Boy. Um, uh, white uh, whiskey, yep. the white rum, yep. and then the vodka. Correct. All right. Give us an evolution of the product. So, Dave, what was the next? You're obviously putting the product in barrels to start aging. So, give us the product evolution, the timeline. So, the the whiskey was was the next uh, product to hit the market. So, we we came out with the three spirits, and we put all our efforts behind those three spirits for around three years from a, from a sales and marketing perspective. And while we're selling those three spirits, we have rum and whiskey put it, that we're putting in barrels and is aging. And so the first of the whiskey uh, matures after around three years. Um, and so that was the next product to hit, to hit the market. And that's when the brand really took off uh, because um, it was, you know, white whiskey, is an amazing product, but it's a, it's more of a niche product than than a mainstream barrel aged whiskey. And so when, when that hit, uh, and our distributor put its full weight behind the product, um, the brand really really took off. And so after the American Straight Whiskey, uh, we came came out with our barrel aged rum, which is called Boston Rum, as sort of a uh, as an homage to the to the city's history of sure. rum distillation. Um, and then the, the, the rum did uh, really well, uh, and so we had those two barrel-aged spirits uh, that we were now selling alongside the three unaged spirits. And then uh, gin was, was the next product that came out, and uh, we were talking before the show right. about craft gin. Making a comeback. Big. Re really make it, you know, gin's interesting because the, the lower-priced the lower priced gins are flat to down, so if you're pulling... Uh, a half a plastic half gallon of Gilby's off the bottom shelf. That stuff is not moving. Right. Alphas don't do anything off the bottom <laughs> shelf, Dave. We don't do anything off the bottom shelf. We are top shelf only, baby. Top shelf. So the, the craft gin segment, which is the, sort of the premium gin segment, um, is doing really well. And there's some, some great things happening in craft gin. There are uh, craft distilleries that are taking some, some real chances. Instead of just doing a classic London dry with that heavy juniper note and a little bit of citrus. 
Um, you have gins that are coming out that are using hibiscus and lavender. We actually use a little bit of brandy in our gin. Really? Which is, which is really different and uh, makes for a really nice mouthfeel. Um, there are distilleries that are, if there's a botanical out there, there's some distillery using it, whether it's burdock root or, you know, ginger or uh, cassia, whatever the case may be, someone's putting it in gin. And because of that, you have these complex, nuanced gins that are, that are just fabulous. The celebration of National Bourbon Heritage Month from Bully Boy Distillers in Boston will continue around the corner. For those of you that are affected by Hurricane Harvey, Hurricane Irma, believe me, my thoughts are with you. Hopefully we can give you a slight bit of entertainment. And believe me, I know I needed a, a giant keg of whiskey last week. I'm sure you do too. Hour number two of the Cigar Dave Show is next. The Cigar Dave Show podcast is presented by Diamond Crown. Sit back, relax, pour a drink, and light up a Diamond Crown as you begin the show with the General Cigar Dave. This, this is CCRN, the Cigar Connoisseur Radio Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the Cigar City of Tampa, Florida, U.S.A. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General Cigar Dave. Over the past week, with the uh, hurricane slamming Florida, believe me, I could have used more than a cocktail. I could have used about uh, a, a barrel worth of fine distilled bourbon or American whiskey. And we will continue in just a moment. My conversation, my interview, my visit to Bully Boy Distillers up in Boston with Dave Willis and Will Willis. We're going to enjoy some of their incredible spirits and entire tasting, their American straight whiskey off the charts, their white whiskey, their rums, their estate gin. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Some big breaking news that came out of the House. They have passed a appropriations bill containing premium cigar exemption language. I will get to that next week, but it could be good news. Let's hope the Senate follows suits. If they do, screw the FDA. We will continue now celebrating National Bourbon Heritage Month right now on The Cigar Dave Show. Now, before we talk about the distillery here, we're actually right in the heart of everything. You've got giant uh, still going uh, here. By the way, how come it's not on? How come we're not distilling anything today? <laughs> what the knew, hell? We knew you were coming in. It's, 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 I'll tell you what, when this, when this still runs, um, I'm, I'm so focused. I, I can't, and I'm just by nature, I can't chew gum and walk at the same time. So when, I, when I'm distilling... It's best that I'm only concentrating on distilling. Otherwise, uh, this place burns down. I feel badly. I'm, I'm keeping. I'm keeping your fine bully boy spirits from the consumers. I, I've taken the you know a day of distilling out of your out of your production schedule. So I hope you can. You're gonna have to stay late tonight right, to, to make right. up for that. That's right. We, we run two shifts. So it's all good. Quality control today. The quality control. That's good. I like that. So we'll we'll talk about distill. But as I look over to the right here. We, I'm looking at, I think, the R&D, the Research and Development Laboratory of Bully Boy Distillers here in Boston, because you've got 
a whole bunch of beakers and flasks and glasses, and I'm, there's got to be at least, I don't know, maybe 200 bottles of just various spirits, and they're labeled with a white label, you know, handwritten. Uh, so this has got to be your, your testing facility, that, right? That's now. right. We do, uh, so one of, the, one of the arms of Bully Boy is a, a cut, we, do, we have a custom gin program. So large accounts will come to us and say, I want a gin with a big grapefruit note and pull back on the juniper and I want lavender and so on and so forth. And we'll make a gin specific to them. And so I am every single day doing test gin test distillations. And so a lot of what you see up here are different gins. And then, of course, every time we run the still, I'm pulling off a sample to make sure that uh, when we're distilling whiskey, it's within the parameters of our, of, of our whiskey. So each one of these bottles represents a different whiskey distillation. So I can go back, it's sort of like a library of tastes. I can go back and say, all right, you know, this one was off, this was slightly off, I gotta correct X, Y, and Z. And you keep the, uh, is it the same mash uh, bill or is it changes? It's the same mash bill, but you know, one of the, the wonderful things about being a craft distillery is we're nimble and we can try new things. Um, Buffalo Trace turns on the on the still. Uh, there's a whole lot of, of whiskey coming off. Right. So that when they make a decision, there's much more thought that goes into it. If, if I want to use Munich malt in my bourbon, or I want to use a pale malt, I can try it and I can see how it works. And if it's great, I'll scale up. And so yeah, we're we're always messing around with different malts, different fills. Uh, I'll take different cuts. Uh, as I'm running the still, which will alter the taste. Um, so we do a lot of different things. At Bully Boy Distillers in Boston as we celebrate National Bourbon Heritage Month. And on the Cigar Dame Show, we also take the month of September to celebrate all American distilled spirits. And as we are in their research and development laboratory here, and uh, along with Dave and Will Willis. So now we come to your uh, still. This is a beautiful looking still, clearly custom made. So that's right. This is a, a Christian, it's made by a company called Christian Karl, and they're out of Germany. And a lot of the great stills are, are made overseas uh, because they've been distilling uh, on, on, in a small scale in Europe for hundreds of years. It's a relative, craft distilling in the States is relatively new. Craft distilling in Europe is, is a very, very old industry. So it's a 750 gallon still. So if you want some context, every time we turn on the still, we can fill a barrel with what comes off of it. So it does just about one a, barrel. Just just one barrel. That's right. So 750 gallons gives you only one barrel. That's right. That is incredible. So 750 to 53, because uh, tell us the process. Why is that? So you know, the, it's really in in the name distillation. What you're doing is taking. 750 gallons of what's effectively a beer, right? That's right. the mix of corn, rye, malted barley. That ferments out to around 10% alcohol by volume. You're taking 750 gallons at 10% alcohol by volume, and you're distilling it down to around 50 gallons at around 140 uh, proof, so 70% alcohol by volume. There are a lot of alcohols in that beer, in that mash, that you don't want to recover. The head, it's called the heads and, and the, the tails. tails. Right. Um, we recover all the alcohol and we actually redistill the heads and tails. It's, it's, it gets complicated, mm -hmm. but 
what you're really after is the heart of the rum. That is the, the, the drinkable uh, alcohol. And the way in which one distiller differentiates themselves from other distillers is really that mix of heads, heart, and tails that's collected. So, so you really have to keep this thing running we on do. a continuous we basis because one barrel gives you how many uh, 750 milliliter bottles? So we get about, uh, well, depending upon what we proof it down to, because we barrel at 120 proof and we're bottling uh, at 92 proof. That's going to be our, our newest whiskey. That's sort of our target range. Um, so you're getting around 200 barrels of, of finished product. So yeah, we, we run this. 200 bottles. 200 bottles. Yeah. 200, 200 bottles. bottles. So you really, I mean, think about that because clearly now you've grown to a, you know, the distribution now in what, three states, I think you said. So you really have to keep this still going. And how long does it take uh, Every time you put the 750 gallons, how long does that process take to get the barrel? So I, I will start the still at 8 o'clock in the morning, and I usually shut it down uh, about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And that gives you one barrel? That gives us... Oh, you have two, two so stills. We're running two stills oh, every are. day. So we're doing... Okay. Uh, we have uh, another distiller who is across the street in our other facility doing gin. Okay. And then I'm over here uh, doing whatever it is I choose to distill that day. So really two barrels a day is what you're pumping out. That's right. So what do we say, 400 bottles? Uh, it's around 200 bottles. 200 bottles and 200. So you're looking ballpark around 400 bottles. So you really, when you look at the dis distribution and the popularity now, you really got to keep this thing moving. We do. So we, uh, on the gin still, uh, we'll, we'll do two shifts sometimes. So we'll have, uh, I'll finish up and uh, the other distiller will come in and he'll work that still till two or three o'clock in the morning, It'll, that, we give this still a break, and I come back in in the morning, we start it back up again. So Will, uh, in charge of sales and marketing, I'm sure there are times when you talk to the master distiller, your brother, and say, get on the horn, man, get on the schneid, man, I need more. I can sell everything you make, come on, start producing. Seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 365. That's when I have to take a step back, a deep breath, and, and remember he's my brother. <laughs> and, uh, we're all family. Has there been a time when you said, Dave, you got to step it up a little yeah, bit? Yeah, we've those classic, you know, uh, production guy, sales guy uh, battles. But, you know, I think that, uh, you know, Dave has been very good about pulling back, pulling me back on the reins because, you know, I'm ready to go charge across the country and, and, and spread the gospel, but ultimately, you know, being very methodical and thoughtful about our expansion has been proven to be the right thing to do. So any plans for another still in the future? I, I think it's inevitable, yeah. Uh, is it, so is it Dave? Yes. <laughs> um, clearly, you know, in this space we're standing, it, it may it may not be able to fit. So um, we, we've got a, a four or five year time horizon in which we'll probably have to take on some more real estate. All right, so perfect. So this is the distill, uh, distillation area. And then as we look over here, you've got a giant rectangular table and I see that you got little scales here and uh, looks as though, I don't know if that's iced tea and there's all these bottles of other thing with notes. So tell us, what are we looking at here? <laughs> yeah, so, so, so the iced tea jug uh, is not actually iced tea, but uh, it's an Amaro uh, that we're working on. Amaro is a, is a bitter Italian liqueur. Um, Similar to uh, Amaretto or the same family? A little different. Okay. Uh, so the, the most popular, the one that a lot of folks are familiar with is Fernet. Uh, and it's, it, 
it's you, you find it in a lot of cocktails. Um, and again, along those lines of doing things differently, uh, it's a niche product that will probably never be as big a seller as, say, our American straight whiskey, but it allows us to sort of flex our creative muscles and do something a little funky, a little different to round out our portfolio. So this is this is one of my R&D projects. What, when do you anticipate this being released? Oh, uh, likely next week. Next. <laughs> Sales guy wants it today, this afternoon. Uh, this is probably next year. Uh, we have the next product for us is we have been putting whiskey, finishing whiskey in port and Madeira barrels. And so around the holidays, we're going to come out with a limited release of uh, our American straight whiskey finished in a combination of port and Madeira barrels. So a double, great, double cigars. Oh, a double cast finish then. That's exactly right. Perfect. Beautiful. We, we love those double cast finishes. So uh, we'll... I would assume now, because of the reputation of Bully Boy Distillers and, and the, the recognition now in bars as well as liquor stores, that when you go in with a new product, that most people taste it and say, yeah, bring it in, you know, they, because of your reputation. Would that be correct? That's easily the most gratifying thing. It's amazing how the pushback from the early days is largely dissipated. And yeah, I mean, thankfully, knock on wood. Um, the reputation is such that now that, that when we release a new product, there's a lot of anticipation and excitement about it. And it, it really, um, it, it makes my life a lot easier. Will this be a limited product? Uh, this, this and what's this called again? Not, it's an Am it, it's, it's, so it's, it's actually something called an Amaro. Amaro, That's Amaro. A category of spirit. Okay. Uh, we actually use hops in ours. <laughs> so, um, we like to think of it as almost like an American twist on what has traditionally been an Italian liqueur. So I'll use Galaxy Hops, Cascade Hops, Citra Hops, Amarillo. Uh, and so it, it, for, the, for the craft beer lovers out there, uh, there's this nice bridge between beer and, and what has traditionally been this Italian bitter liqueur. So tomorrow, I will be uh, definitely looking out for that. We'll, we'll send sure. you a bottle. All right, that sounds like a, we'll sample it on yeah. the uh, show. No question. <laughs> if you said it pairs with a cigar, we're all in. Celebrating National Bourbon Heritage Month and all American distilled spirits, we will continue front and center from Bully Boy Distillers in Boston. If you miss any of the general show, you can catch up anytime with the Cigar Dave mobile app. Presented by Diamond Crown. Listen to the most recent show simply by opening the app with our continuous replay. Or you can download a podcast of a past show. Search Cigar Dave in the App Store to get it. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Tradition 
traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. As a cigar connoisseur, one of the pleasures that we derive is walking into our retailer's humidor and seeing the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. Nine years ago, I had the idea that I wanted to share great cigars with the cigar lieutenants. So, the Officers Club was born. Every month, you will receive three fantastic premium cigars direct to your door, shipped in a very dapper Officers Club customized Ziploc cigar pouch. $22.95 per month gets you the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. No long-term contracts. You can cancel whenever you want. You enjoy great cigars right to your door. Names like Perdomo, Diamond Crown, Brickhouse, San Latano, Rocky Patel, Torano, CAO, Avo, Camacho, Greycliff, and many more. Join the Officers Club today. Go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club, and for $22.95, you'll get the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. We are celebrating National Bourbon Heritage Month and celebrating all American spirits at Bully Boy Distillers in Boston, just south of downtown. We have uh, completed the tour of the distillery and the R&D laboratory, a little bit of background and history. Now what I'd like to do, along with uh, Dave and Will Willis, the master distiller and VP of Sales and Marketing, respectively, move into a magnificent-looking room, which is the barrel aging room. And the aroma as I walk in, I'm smelling the angel share. They've got, I've never seen a barrel aging room that has chandeliers. I've got to tell you, this is a very fancy uh, barrel aging room. But you've got a nice table there where I'm sure you can do pull samples, people can taste. This is magnificent. Tell us about this room. So this is actually just one of our uh, aging areas. We age a lot of our barrels across the street. Um, the barrels that you see here... This is sort of the, the staging area for emptying barrels. So most of these barrels are targeted for emptying uh, within the next six months to a year. Um, but there's a mix of barrels in here. You have whiskey barrels in here, you've got rum barrels in here. If you look at the side of some of these barrels, um, you can see this is an uh, ex-port barrel. Um, this is a, a port barrel as well. Uh, so you've got all sorts of different barrels. We actually have some um, Kentucky bourbon uh, barrels here that we're actually aging rum in, uh, so, so some, some ex-bourbon barrels. So all sorts of different aromas in the air. No question. Like I mean, very sweet. Aromas. Yeah, but it's it's just uh, just an incredible uh, sweet aroma. Yes. And and again, you're right. Some rum, some some bourbon, some uh, whiskey. Just a very uh, this kind of place you. Like to hang out all day because yeah. the scent is incredible. We, you can hear in the background an air handler, and that air handler is actually pulling vapor out of this room uh, because it can be overwhelming. Uh, really, they're, they're, it just makes it—it's a difficult, a difficult can be a difficult environment to work in if, if you've got a lot of the vapor floating around. Now, do you have multiple aging rooms? We have spread we have out. One other. One other. Uh, where we age uh, the, the bulk of our barrels. Um, this 
again, is sort of the staging area and also serves, we've got our tasting table here so that folks can sample whiskey in and among the whiskey barrels. Well, there's something very, I think, very, uh, very cool about being able to sample it in the barrel aging room where you're getting that aroma and you're really getting the overall experience. That whole sensory overload, yeah. I think, is phenomenal. And it reminds me, uh, kind of when you go to Napa or any of the, you know, the wineries, the same thing. And you don't really see distilleries do that, so I have to give you credit for that because that's really a great way. And I'm sure when you bring in accounts, uh, Will, whether it's a retailer or, or a restaurant group, I'm sure they come in the ability to just kind of socialize and taste test being around the barrels, I'm sure it's a very easy sell. You hit the nail on the head. We're, we're basically taking a page out of the, the Sonoma, Sonoma Valley playbook where it's come, you know, that experiential tourism, come visit the facility, you know, make that connection between barrel and, and glass. And uh, we've had an enormous amount of response for private events, you know, um, rehearsal dinners, that kind of thing. People, it's a very different type of environment and experience. Very, very cool. Now, let's move along into the tasting room because actually I think you've got some craft uh, cocktails going on here. This is yes. phenomenal. And and is the uh, Bully uh, Boy Distiller uh, distillery open to the public? It is. So we, uh, we, we essentially operate our own house bar uh, four days a week. And uh, we have a very talented staff here that works with the stuff that Dave makes and puts it together in, in uh, delicious drinks. Um, and then we, we, we present it in a, you know, a fun format. I mean, we've got a 53-gallon barrel suspended from the ceiling, so you know, we can mix up uh, whiskeys that you can only, only get here, um, hard-to-find stuff. We, we, we use the public as, as, as guinea pigs, and I mean that in a nice way. Uh, if it's, and none of them complain, I'm sure. None of them complain, exactly. That's the great thing about spirits. And um, so it, it's been a really, really fun way for us to um, engage the consumer, build a brand loyalty, while also trying out new stuff. Well, I love the backdrop. There's giant glass windows overlooks the distillery. I mean, you can't get more authentic than that. Very cool, yeah. So again, and what's the address here? It's 44? 44 Cedric Street. And good for you for finding it, because we don't have uh, signage at the moment. Uh, we have some stuff coming in. But uh, as part of our, I think I explained to you earlier, we were talking about earlier how, how tough the city was on us. Uh, they prohibited uh, exterior signage when we first opened. I think they were concerned, uh, or, or at least unsure of our intentions, and uh, we're located not too far from a school, so that was... Uh... Yeah, I saw that down the road, but somehow <laughs> I don't seem you're going to have any of the kids coming over here no. saying, hey, can I have a pop of your uh, white rum? Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. No, that's that not quite our target market, uh, elementary school. We, we, uh, we like to start them young, but not that young. <laughs> exactly. So... The, your your, your uh, gourmet craft bar is open what days? So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, yep. what, what are the hours? So Thursday and Fridays, it's 5 to midnight, and then Saturday, Sunday, it's 12 to midnight. All right, so 44 Cedric Street in the Newmarket part of Boston, and we'll, we'll put all the links at CigarDave.com because it is really is fascinating, and I'm sure you must get a nice eclectic crowd in here. It is. It's a lot of fun. I, mean, it's, I think for Dave and I to open up our front door, um, well, you get really great feedback. We'll continue with our guests, the proprietors of Bully Boy Distillers, Will and Dave Willis, as we continue front and center celebrating National Bourbon Heritage Month. 
Check out the all-new CigarDave.com. Get info on the cigars and libations the general enjoys during the show. Get recipes from the pooch pit and drink cocktails, too. You can listen to the show on our 24-7 stream or download the latest podcast to listen to anytime. Get it all at CigarDave.com. Okay, people, we've just been awarded the Brickhouse Ad Account. Now, this cigar was named Best Bargain Cigar of 2009 by Cigar Aficionado, got a 91 rating, plus it's the hottest cigar on the market. So, we need an award-winning slogan. He's a brick. How? What about, it's not your grandfather's cigar? Ah, it's been done. Next. How about good to the last draw? Ah, something original, people. You deserve a brick today? Now, who are you? Do you even work here? Excuse me, sir. Am I to understand that every Brickhouse cigar is built with all the flavor and quality of the premium cigars of yesteryear? Yesteryear? Really? That's right, Bixby. But yet yeah, costs around five bucks each. Indeed. Well, sir, people don't really need a slogan. They don't? No, sir. Then what do they need? Five bucks and a comfortable chair. Five bucks and a comfortable chair, genius! Meet the perfect cigar to share with friends. Brickhouse by J.C. Newman. Handmade in Nicaragua with a fine Havana Subido wrapper. Brickhouse starts out earthy and crisp and burns well-rounded and smooth. Nothing stands the test of a good time like a Brickhouse. For more, visit BrickhouseCigars.com. Celebrating American spirits during National Bourbon Heritage Month. Today, we come to you from Bully Boy Distillers in Boston, continuing our conversation with Dave and Will Willis, the proprietors of Bully Boy Distillers. Now we come to the fun part. We were talking about being in the barrel aging room and testing uh, and socializing. So I think what we're going to do is just sit down and, and sample the complete Bully Boy uh, distillery line of uh, spirits here. So we've got in front of me, um, let's see. First of all, I'll tell you what, uh, Dave. Why don't you uh, why don't you give us the lineup here so, today? So, and Dave, we got a lot of spirits here. So, you, so if, if you're uh, starting to feel faint, you tell me, and we can talk. Uh, Dave, <laughs> seriously, we're not a wussified beta here. This is a five star alpha. They am not a private in training. We can handle it. All right, no problem. So, so this is this is an interesting spirit. So, this is our white whiskey, and it's fascinating to taste whiskey without the influence of the barrel and so yeah very neat very clean it almost has a, like a tequila aroma it does to it. and um, you'll pick up a, a banana note there's like a mintiness to it and it tends to be uh, a little soft uh, and a little bit sweet uh, yeah it's got the aroma of a blanco or uh, it does almost a uh, believe it or not an añejo even though it's clear, it's that Añejo's got that really those big notes. Same thing. It's it's entirely different than a barrel aged whiskey, and I think when people smell it and taste it, they would never associate it with uh, with a bourbon. It, 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 the, the connection is always to uh, either tequila. Uh, it almost has a gininess to it as well, 
um, but certainly not a traditional barrel-aged whiskey. So it's it's neat in that way. It's it's cool to show people uh, what whiskey looks like and tastes like when it actually comes off the still before it goes into the barrel. What is the mash bill? So the mash bill on this one is different than our barrel-aged whiskey. This is actually almost entirely wheat. There's a little bit of malt okay. in it as well. All right, so we start Bully Boy Distillery Tasting Maneuvers in their barrel-aging room in Boston with uh, Dave Willis, the master distiller, and Will Willis, the VP of Sales and Marketing. So I will say cheers to all of you. Take a sip. Wow, that is very neat, very clean. Interesting, that wheat really, there's there's not a lot of bite whatsoever on the back. And when you think of a white whiskey, you're thinking of some of that, you know, like that white lightning that's really going to go down hard. This is phenomenal. In fact, this reminds me, like you say, of a Blanco tequila. And it, it, Very it, really, it really does. Yeah, the white whiskey, it's interesting. In a lot of ways, because of that association with, with moonshine, people's immediate reaction is to think this is going to be hot. It's going to be stinky, like, you know, like old school corn, uh, white lightning tends to be. But we distill it at a higher proof. And we go through a lot of pains to make sure that it doesn't fall into that basket of being just robust in, you know, in a lot of ways, unaged corn whiskey is, almost has like a foot aroma to it. It's really important. Right. Yeah, this is very pleasant. Yeah, way. very, very. And, and the, the taste, again, there's a little bit of warmth, but there's no bite whatsoever. It's very, very smooth. Now we're going to move into so your... That, now this is, uh, the, this is the American straight whiskey. And this is this is uh, barrel-aged. This is barrel-aged. So this has been aging for uh, around four years. And uh, this is a mixture of corn, rye, and malted barley. And, and what we're trying to do with this whiskey is really split the difference between bourbon and rye. So it's got 45% corn, it's got 45% rye, and it's got 10% malted barley. So you're going to get... I always taste bourbon on the front end and then rye on the back end. So that front end is going to be a little bit sweet, uh, almost has like a bourbon quality to it. And then that, that graininess, that spiciness that you associate with rye is really going to hit you on the back end. It's got a uh, very spicy aroma to it. It does. Rye's role in any mash bill is really, it's the flavor component. So most of the traditional bourbon mash bill is, tends to be around 75% corn. And you usually see around anywhere between 14 and 20% uh, rye, and the rest is malted barley. And that, that rye component is usually what's uh, contributing most of the flavor. And how long do you age the American straight whiskey? This has been around four years. In the four barrel. years? Yeah. Okay, so this is legit four years in the barrel? And we use a 53-gallon new American oak. It's a charred three. So you're going to get some of that. Uh, classic wood flavor and aroma, it's not going to be as predominant if, as if we had used, say, a char five, which tends to, in, in, to my way, think, really sort of overwhelm the spirit. All right, ready to sample the Bully Boy Distillery American Straight Whiskey, age four years. I'll say cheers, take a sip. Wow. That is a very complex flavor. It's interesting because with the aroma, I thought I was going to get a lot of that rye sizzle and spice on the back, and it's very tame. Mm. You get a little bit of the spice, but it's very, very tame. It's very, very smooth. Is that I get that ten percent wheat must or the um, uh, 
the malt. The malt smooths it down a little bit, that, but very right. pleasant. Wow. Yeah, I, you know, what it's mm. what's happened in the world of rye is that a lot of the ryes on the market nowadays tend to be 95% rye. They're almost right. entirely rye. The way that rye is traditionally made is you have a lot more corn in it. And so in some ways, this is almost like a traditional rye whiskey. Because uh, you get that corn component, and you're also getting the flavor that comes from the rye. Well, this would be a quintessential, I would say, American whiskey, because when you look at the history, we've got corn and we've got rye. Those are the, the two primary crops really grown you know, here in the United States. That's right. So you combine them both, and very, very pleasant. Uh, Will, would I be correct in assuming that the American... Uh, straight whiskey is your number one seller? You would be, yeah. It's definitely, you know, Dave and I hate the, the term flagship, but, but it has emerged as our, our flagship, and we kind of, it's very hard for us. It's like picking your favorite child, you know, we love all of them equally, but uh, without question on the sales front, the American straight whiskey has emerged as our, as our top seller. What is the suggested retail for the uh, white whiskey and then the American straight whiskey? Generally speaking, the white whiskey will be $28.99, uh, actually, $27.99 to $29.99, and then the American straight whiskey is $34.99. I have to tell you, that that is a steal, because you've got American whiskey aged four years, and many of the bourbon uh, bourbons being made now, they're taking the age statements off, because, you know, with all the popularity, but... I have to tell you, 36 bucks for a uh, an American straight whiskey that tastes this good, that's aged four years. We need to talk. I need to, you got to raise your prices, man. You, we need to have a little conference here. Well, you know, I think my brother and I, we've always, been, we've always felt that um, we wanted to, you know, starting with our packaging and going to our pricing, we, we, didn't, we don't want pretense. We want to be approachable. We're very proud of the fact that we're served in the four seasons, but we're also served you know, around the corner at the local the local dive bar. The reality is we're, we're also not paying to ship anymore. You know, we're, we're really, all our markets are local, so. All right, next up, we are going to have the Bully Boy Distillery White Rum. And uh, Will, this was uh, the first product that, one of the three first three that you released back when you were uh, going in and trying to tell people all about Bully Boy Distillery. It is, and yep, I mean, Dave and I, it had, rum had to happen, right? Because just cause the, the history of rum in the city, Dave and I are, are, are huge rum lovers to consumers. And I think the, the gap that we felt existed in the rum world was uh, clear white rum that had interest and complexity. So the, the game plan and the goal here was to create a white rum that had a little bit more body, a little, more, a little more interest than your sort of traditional white rums that were out there, which quite honestly, a lot of them, a hard to differentiate from vodka. All right, so let me, uh, Dave, I know you want to uh, chime in. I'll say cheers as I taste the white rum and you can give us your remarks. This is Ooh. really intended mm. to be consumed. It's not, you know, it's not going to be hidden in a pina colada. Mm -hmm. it's, it's great in the more simple white rum cocktails. You think of the daiquiri. Uh, it makes a great Hemingway daiquiri. This is very complex. It is. For it's a white rum, this got, is very, very complex. It's got a lot, a lot of nuance. There's a lot going on there. The, fruit notes, the molasses notes, and actually uh, when Will mentioned uh, one of the early adopters of the Bully Boy brand, Jackson Cannon, who was a big mixologist in the city, and he had actually just won 
the largest cocktail competition in the country, um, the, the spirit that he gravitated towards uh, was the white rum. So we started using our white rum in their Hemingway daiquiri. It makes a great mojito. Uh, it works well in all sorts. You of can, uh, you know, just really enjoy this straight up. Yeah. Neat. It's that good. It's so smooth. Yeah. There's no bite whatsoever. Not an overpowering sweetness. It's just very, very pleasant. And I think you hit it right on the head. I mean, this is this is the kind of rum that yeah, you don't want to put it in a cheap in a cheap cocktail. Right. This is the kind of rum that you want to put in a really a very uh, uh, up really an upscale. Uh, creation uh, concoction because it just on its on its face just alone is a great sipping rum. Rum in general is due for a renaissance. It's starting to happen. Uh, white rum is really due for a renaissance because so many people when they think of white rum, they think of you know those awful cocktails that you have on spring break or uh, you know some sugary fruity cocktail that someone mixes up down in the Caribbean. And, and white rum can be so much more than that. It can really be a premium spirit that you consume on its own or you have in a, in a really simple format. We will continue celebrating National Bourbon Heritage Month and all American distilled spirits today from the Ford Theater of Command, Bully Boy Distillers in Boston. The General is now on Instagram. Follow him for pictures of the latest cigars, libations, and what he's enjoying during the show. <laughs> that could be interesting, and we'll have to block out some faces. Go to Instagram and search Cigar Day. this difficult and challenging time when the government is trying to outlaw premium cigars and take away the art form of enjoying a beautiful cigar, we decided to introduce our brand called Prohibition. This cigar is going to be the bootlegger's dream. A gorgeous cigar made in Esteli, Nicaragua, triple cap using a broadleaf wrapper and a Mexican wrapper from the San Andreas Valley. It's got Nicaraguan tobaccos from the Nicaraguan valleys of Esteli and Jalapa. It's rich, it's complex, it's got some spice, some white pepper, and a ton of sweetness. Full of flavor, this cigar is one that you're going to want to enjoy, and you're going to bootleg. And that's why it's called Prohibition. Enjoy it. I promise you're going to love it. The brand new Cigar Dave mobile app for both iPhone and Android devices is finally out. If you go right now, either to the iTunes Store or the Google Play Store, search for Cigar Dave and download our brand new app. It allows you to listen to the show live on your mobile device. You can listen to all of our podcasts. The last 10 podcasts are always available, Cigar Dave Daily Briefings. Additionally, it gives you direct access within the app to our Twitter page, our Facebook page. We also have the ability for you to call the show during the show right from the app, as well as send me a text message and an email. We also put in a couple of bonus items. You can get a weather uh, uh, alert as well as an alarm clock. It is the brand new Cigar Dave mobile app. You can listen to the Cigar Dave show anytime, any place, anywhere. Go right now to the iTunes Store or Google Play Store and download the brand new Cigar Dave mobile app.
celebrating National Bourbon Heritage Month on the Cigar Dave Show at Bully Boy Distillers in Boston. Dave Willis and Will Willis. Now we move to the Boston, uh, the Boston rum, which right. is an a, a barrel-aged rum, and the sweetness in the aroma is overpowering. Yeah. It's incredible. So, so the the, the Boston rum um, is really a, a cool a cool uh, spirit. What we do is we use a, 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 a broader cuts on the still. So I, I try and capture more flavor during the distillation. And then we use we uh, use X bourbon barrels to age it. So we empty whiskey and then we fill it with uh, fill it with rum. All right, I'm going to say cheers because you continue. And so what what you're going to get here are a lot wow. of those great barrel aromas and flavors, and you're also going to get a little more sweetness. Oh, vanilla coming from that barrel. Incredible. And what's amazing again, every one of the spirits that I've tasted so far from your your distillery from Bully Boy. Incredibly smooth. There is no bite whatsoever on the back of the palate as it goes down. And this Boston rum is phenomenal. Sweet, some vanilla I'm getting. Yep. A, a little bit of that oakiness, but not overpowering. Right. Uh, just a tad bit of sweetness, but just very, uh, just flavorful. Just beautiful. Yeah, smooth. A, I mean, again, I would I would put this in a snifter and have this straight up. I think right. it's almost a crime to put this in a mixed cocktail. Yeah, you dip the tip of your cigar in there. It's... Mm -hmm. it's um, Rum is a, a, a really when you think about what goes well with cigars. I, I always come back to rum. I, I'm going to give a little tip in our Alpha and Lieutenant's humidors. Take a little bit, take a small little uh, little tin cup and pour a little. I'll tell you, if I poured this uh, Billy Boyd uh, Boston rum in there in my humidor and just let the cigars, just let the angel share, just slowly evaporate and impart into the cigars. I'm telling you, after about uh, six months or so, even less, maybe three months, you get a very unique aroma and, and flavor imparted into that cigar. Very subtle. Salivating. Oh, Salivating. phenomenal. <laughs> phenomenal. Abs By the way, you're cigar friendly. So, you know, this is that's that's another reason. Although it's tougher to enjoy a cigar here than it is in other parts. Although the hotel I stayed at while I was here in Boston had a beautiful cigar friendly outdoor patio and uh, they were very accommodating. And uh, I tell you what, uh, I, I certainly would enjoy a little bit of the bully, any of these bully boy spirits. Uh, I could have enjoyed. Nice to say that. Um, no, no, no bull. Listen, everybody knows I tell it like it is, and these are extremely, extremely smooth. So very, very impressive. And I got to believe that the Boston rum has got to be, you know, towards the top in terms of sales. Will it's a big, big rum crowd in the Northeast, uh, particularly the sailing community is. Uh, are huge consumers of rum, so we do a lot of events around uh, sailing regattas and, and that kind of thing. And um, you know, the, the brown rum, the Boston rum, is, is more of a 12 month a year thing. The white rum, we get, we'll see a bump in the summertime. And How long do you age the the Boston rum, the barrel aged rum? It's about the same as the aged whiskey. So four, years. four years. Wow, incredibly smooth. And last but not least, we talked about gin, the Bully Boy Distillers Estate Gin. So the estate gin uh, is sort of a nod to the wine world where estate wines tend to use grapes that are grown uh, on site. And we use a lot of ingredients for the estate gin uh, from the farm that Will and I grew up on. Um, so a really unique thing about this gin is the base of the gin has a little bit of brandy in it. And so instead of just using neutral spirit and throwing some botanicals in and redistilling it. 
we uh, make a brandy from fermented cider that we get from uh, from where we grew up. We make a brandy and we splice that in with. Is that apple brandy? It's apple brandy, with with the botanical charge. Uh, so this has got some lemon in it, Italian juniper, coriander, lavender, hibiscus, cassia, pink peppercorn, a whole host of different botanicals, and it's 94 proof, so it's really going to hold up. You put it in a martini, put it in a gin and tonic, you don't have to worry about having a watered-down drink. All right, the aroma, again, is just is very, very, it's very aromatic. It's not your typical gin that's going to be on the mild side. It's got a lot of uh, uh, aroma to it, and it'll be interesting to see how it compares to that custom-made gin that we sampled earlier. So let me say cheers. Take a sip here. Oh, yeah. That's definitely got some personality on the back of the palate. No so, question about it. So we, wow. again, this, this gin falls within that category of craft gin that aims to bump up a lot of the flavors that traditional London Dry tends to push down. So instead of just tasting juniper and a little citrus, you're going to get big floral notes, you know, that lavender and hibiscus, and it's going to be complemented by the citrus and the juniper, and a lot of the earthier notes that come from, from some of the roots, like angelica root and forest root. Any plans to do a barrel-aged gin? That's a good question. That's a it has become a popular thing in the craft world. Um, Will and I, you know, our, our philosophy has always been make those spirits that you love and appreciate. And I'm not there with barrel aged gin yet. I, 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 there are some good ones I've tasted. I've tasted some not so great ones. Uh, I, I haven't fallen in love with one quite yet. And maybe when that happens, we'll start to pursue it. Well. Considering in 2010 you had three unaged products, you now have, let me go through the entire lineup one more time, the Bully Boy uh, Distillers or Distillery White Whiskey, the Bully Boy Distillers American Straight Whiskey, which is aged four years in the barrel, phenomenal, the Bully Boy Distillery White Rum, which is incredibly smooth, the Bully Boy Distillery Boston Rum off the charts, and the Bully Boy Distillery Estate gin that has got a load it is a flavor bomb so really all five of your current uh, products your portfolio uh, absolute phenomenal and as you said you can keep that still running 24 hours a day and you wouldn't really keep up with demand because uh, again the quality of these products is overwhelming and I really appreciate your kind hospitality and allowing me to come in and share your story with our uh, nationwide audience and worldwide audience as well and, uh, and the tastings, because uh, just enlightening and phenomenal. And to any of you lieutenants or alphas that are going to be in the Boston area, you have to come to Bully Boy Distillery and uh, tell Dave or Will that I sent you and check out their, their incredible uh, uh, bar because it really is very cool overlooking the distillery. So, uh, Dave and Will, i got to thank you. Really uh, enjoyed uh, spending the day with you and, and just phenomenal in terms of the products and uh, you have an open invitation to come down to the Cigar City of Tampa, bring your stuff to Humidor 1A and Command Center Alpha, and I will provide the warmth and the sunshine. Uh, Dave, you're going to regret that invitation. <laughs> not, I will not regret it at all, believe me. And Absolutely. And I always say the one thing about Alphas and those of us that enjoy cigars and spirits, we, we make friends and we develop new relationships, and I feel like today I've made new friends, and so you have an open invitation to come down to Tampa 
And uh, again, the months of December to March, I know, are not as good as the weather here in Boston, but, you know, 75 degrees, the sun will have to do. So you have an open invitation. And by the way, maybe what we ought to do is ship a barrel down and see what it's like to age in the summer months when it's nice and warm down there, because that really shot. We should try something like that. Pick up that nice salt air. There you go, exactly. And we'll take it Ebor. We'll take it over to J.C. Newman and have some diamond crowns, because I'm sure you'd love to see their factory. Again, very reminiscent of the, uh, the the distillery here, the building that you're in. All right, uh, hope you enjoyed our special uh, presentation today as we celebrate National Bourbon Heritage Month and American Spirits at Bully Boy Distillers in Boston. We'll have all the information at CigarDave.com. If you ever come up to Boston to take a tour, want to thank Dave Willis, the master distiller, Will Willis, VP of Sales and Marketing. Essentially, it is a two-man operation, and you guys make phenomenal products. Continued success, and thanks for sharing your story today. Many thanks to Dave Willis and Will Willis of Bully Boy Distillers up in Boston for their exceptionally kind hospitality. And if you ever travel up to New England, pick up, go to a liquor store or go to Bully Boy Distillers, try that American whiskey or their Boston rum or their station off the chart. Cigar Dave, the general saying, Mayor Humidor, always be full. Mayor Cutter, always be sharp. Mayor Ashby, extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make America great again. If you're recovering from Irma and Harvey, our thoughts are with you.